and that we are new covenant people. And, and the hope is that the, the, the more we grasp that, what that means, and the more we understand that, that the more we step in uh, to, the, to the joy and peace and hope that the Lord wants us you know, to live in. Uh, that, that greater joy that the Lord can bring to us, that fullness of joy that can only come uh, from Him. The uh, you know, couple of scriptures that we've been landing on to support that, um, one of them is, is Psalm 118, where you know, we, we all quote that, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. That is a new covenant scripture. It's speaking of the new covenant day that the Lord has made, that day that we are living in, and, and, and the more we recognize the beauty of this day, the wonder of this day, the awesomeness of this day, uh, be, before, it, before it says, this is the day the Lord has made, it says, the Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Like, like He's beholding it and marveling at this new covenant day that has only come about by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he is saying this day, the day of salvation, the day of God's mercy and grace, this day of his patience, it is, it is so marvelous and wonderful. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So as we, as we behold the day of this new covenant that we live in, let us, let, let us, the hope is that it would bring rejoicing to us gladness to us and fill our hearts with joy because, because new things have come about that, that under the old covenant were not possible, which is the reason that if, if, if the old covenant did everything that God wanted it to do, there would have been no need for the new. If, if the old covenant brought about the abundant life that only Jesus could bring about, there'd been no need for him to come. But it didn't, and so Jesus said, I've got to come that they might have life and that more abundantly, and he has come, and in him we find life, and that leads to uh, rejoicing, so that there is filling our hearts greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. That there is peace that fills our hearts so that we can lie down and sleep in peace, uh, knowing that we dwell in safety because the Lord is with us, watching uh, over us. So, so we want to we grow in our understanding of the new covenant. We want to grow in our, in our grasp, if you will, of the new covenant. And, and the hope is as we do, that rejoicing and gladness will fill our hearts and that we will grow in joy and peace and overflow with hope by the help and power of the Holy Spirit and as we trust in the Lord. So last Sunday we, we, uh, we identified that, that this new covenant uh, is a covenant of peace. Uh, Ephesians 2, that, that Jesus came, it, it's a covenant of peace uh, peace in our relationships with one another and peace in our relationship uh, with God. So there is. So Jesus came and he spoke uh, peace uh, to us uh, and he spoke peace to us between one another and he spoke peace to us uh, between us and God. So there is now in the new covenant, there is peace between us. And there is peace uh, between us. And that, the, and that because of that, uh, there, is, there is a depth of freedom that comes into our lives. There is a clarity uh, that comes to our conscience that, the, that only the new covenant could do, uh, that the old covenant couldn't accomplish. Again, one of the reasons why uh, Jesus had to come and shed his blood and lay down his life to establish 
this new covenant so that there could be peace, peace between us. But that was just, uh, just a part of what this new covenant has accomplished. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a deeperness to, to peace than there just being peace between us and peace between us and God. And there was something more that God wanted to do, something more that he wanted to accomplish that the old covenant couldn't accomplish, uh, that, that now has been accomplished through the new covenant. There, there's more than just peace between us and God, something more that he wanted uh, to do in, uh, in our in our lives, and, and what comes from that, so, there's, so, so we've got to push, we've got to push a little further on, on looking at peace between us and God, peace between one another, and then there's something that flows out of that that is so important to each and every one of our lives that I think really helps us to understand a, a difficult statement that Jesus made Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not difficult. Uh, it's not a difficult statement. It's just I, I'm not sure we grasp it or totally understand it. So, so I guess first let's go, let's go John 8, uh, 32, and we'll remember this. We'll read this, and then and then the rest of the time we'll try to uh, we'll try to understand it and explain it. Jesus says this, uh, John 8:32. Then you. Don't you like that? That means me. That means us. That means you. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's a powerful, powerful statement. It connects, it connects a knowing of the truth and, and, and truth, and, and then a connection between truth and the truth bringing freedom in your life. The truth actually coming and setting you uh, free. Um, so maybe, maybe it's a good time to just make a statement that we all need, that we all need to remember. I need to remember it. We all do. Uh, that, it's, that it's the knowing of, of the truth, this is Jesus speaking, that that comes and sets us free and that and that truth is, how, how, do you, how do you word this? That, that my truth is not truth. Or, uh, or you know, your truth is kind of a, a popular uh, saying today. You know, it's your truth. Your truth is not truth. My truth is not truth. Your truth is not truth. His truth yeah. is truth. So Jesus says that, you know, speaking of knowing the truth, and, and then he, that, that that's going to bring a freedom to us, and then, and then, you know, he goes on to say, and whom the Son sets free is free uh, indeed. So we, we've got this statement thrown out here. Uh, we recognize, uh, you know, hopefully we do, uh, as, as saints, as the people of God, that our truth is not truth, that His truth is truth. So, so, so that freedom... Freedom doesn't come from me uh, discovering and identifying some kind of truth that is, that is my truth. Freedom comes from uh, knowing, knowing the truth that only comes from Him. His truth is truth. Now, none of that was, was, was really uh, being accomplished in the way that, it would, that God wanted it to be accomplished under the Old Covenant, uh, so there, so there had to come uh, the new, and under the new covenant, we've, we've already recognized that our relationship with God has changed, right? That there's now peace with God, but it's something more than just than just peace. There's there's something better, more deeper to it. I think a a good way of understanding it for me is to, is to remember uh, the story of Esther. You remember that great story, uh, Esther, uh, 
you know, the, the wonderful uh, little 10 chapter uh, book that comes before uh, the book of Job and after the book of Nehemiah. And, and there was, you know, the, the king Xerxes uh, and, uh, and his wife Vashti. And she didn't come when she was summoned to come, so she ended up being removed as king, as queen. And then there was a search for a new uh, queen. And, you know, long story short, sure you're familiar with the story. Esther was chosen uh, to be the new uh, queen and, and marries Xerxes and becomes uh, his wife. Now, while all of that's going on, uh, Esther happens to be uh, an Israelite, a Jew. Uh, and there is a plot by this guy named Haman, whom you probably remember, to wipe out uh, the Jews. Uh, Mordecai, uh, Esther's relative, uh, I think cousin, um, uh, becomes aware of this, brings it to Esther's attention, says, you're, you're in a place and position as queen. You've got to go to the king and address this issue to save your, your people from this, from this uh, attack against them uh, to, to wipe out the people of God. And Esther's, Esther, when she hears uh, Mordecai's uh, request, Esther uh, responds and says, look, you just don't go to the king. She said, you've got to be summoned. And only when you're summoned are you allowed to come. And if you're not summoned and you come, then the penalty's death. She says the only exception is if he extends his scepter to you and then he has mercy on you and you are then allowed, you were, you're given grace and you are allowed to approach. This is, this is uh, Esther 4, uh, verse 11. Esther's response. All the king's officials and the people of the royal province know uh, that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without who, who, who comes into the king's inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they will be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. Uh, but 30 days have passed since I was called to be with the king. So Esther says, there's this problem. I can't go to the king. If I go and I haven't been summoned, that means death. And he hasn't called me for 30 days, and I don't know when he's going to call me. Now, you know, you know how the rest of the story kind of uh, goes. Mordecai says to her, uh, he says, hey, you know, you're just going to have to go. Because the Lord has brought you to this position for such a time as this. And, and she, she prays and fasts and gets others to do it as well. And then she she gets all dressed up and she goes un, unsummoned uh, into the king's presence. And he sees her and recognizes this is my queen and, and has mercy on her and extends his, his gold scepter uh, to her. She comes and touches it and, and she's not killed for entering into the king's presence. But he did have authority because of the law to have had her put to death. And we already know that he would deal uh, with, uh, with his wife because he had already done that uh, with Vashti. But he doesn't, he doesn't with Esther. He extends, he extends grace. Now this is kind of, a, it's kind of a good picture of our old covenant relationship with God. Of, your, of the old covenant relationship with God. God, as we know, is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is, he is king above all kings. And, and under the old covenant, there, there was, see, there's, there's peace here between Esther and the king. There's peace, but there hasn't been any relationship for 30 days. They haven't, they haven't even come together and spoke uh, for 30 days. And you just don't go into the inner court whenever you want to, even if you are the queen. Even, she's the queen. And she can't go in there unless she's summoned. And if she does, penalty is death. So under, under the old covenant, there was a, a tabernacle uh, set up. You, you remember this? Um, and we've, we've already been reminded that, that 
that earthly tabernacle, uh, Moses had to set it up and build it to very specific regulations because it had to match the heavenly tabernacle, that there's, a, that, there, that there's a heavenly temple, a heavenly tabernacle, the earthly one is just a copy of it. Right? We, we learn that from Hebrews, and we also learn it from, uh, from the book of Revelation. Uh, in Revelation 11, the end of Revelation 11, the, the temple in heaven is opened, and you gaze, and John gazes into it and sees the Ark of the Covenant in the temple uh, in heaven. Uh, so, so there was a tabernacle, and there was the, there was it was set up uh, where there was an outer court, and then and then there was a a veil that separated the outer court, that veil from the from the holy place, and from the inner court from the holy place, and then there was another veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, from the most holy place, from from, if you will, uh, God's inner court. And the priest, under the Old Covenant, uh, under the Old Covenant, I believe the Gentiles could even come into the outer court. But the priest could come into the inner court every day, into that, into that holy place. But, but only the high priest, the high priest, could only go in there could only go into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, could only go in there once a year and, and under very specific regulations and never without a sacrifice of blood. That was, that was the Old Covenant access to the, to the inner court, holy place of God. You couldn't, you couldn't go in there unless you were invited and he was invited once a year and uh, and and had to be dressed right and and to go in there uh, to go in there at any other time was was a penalty of death now there was peace between god and the high priest peace between god and the priest peace between god and his people but there wasn't access you just couldn't you just couldn't come into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence, but that, but that was not what God desired. That was not what God wanted. We, we get a look at what God wanted, right, all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis, uh, before Adam and Eve have sinned, they're in the garden and they have access to God and God has access to them. We, we recognize that they were spending time with God, that there was relationship with God, that there was fellowship with God, that they would walk with God in the cool of the day. But when sin entered the picture, when they rebelled against what God said, they were not only removed from the garden. You remember the, the cherubim were placed there? Uh, the angel was placed there with a sword, uh, and they couldn't ever return to the garden. They, they, had, they, they no longer had access to the garden, and their relationship with God had changed, and their relationship with one another had shifted and changed because of sin. But God, God never wanted that to be the final condition. He's a, we don't understand it, but He's a God who loves us. And wants to know us and be with us and for us to know him and be with him. And under the old covenant, it was, it was only approach the king at a specific time and only the high priest could come and only once a year and that never without blood. It had to be the right time, the right circumstance, the right person. You think if anybody else had done this? If anybody else had just wandered on into the king's inner court, uh, good thing it was Esther, right? Because the king otherwise would have, would have not extended the staff, but he did extend it. Now, we see this uh, in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, we'll start at verse 1. This is, this is scripture for... for uh, what we've just talked about. Now the, now the first covenant 
The old covenant had, had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up uh, in its first room where the lampstand uh, and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. So there, there was the, the outer court and then there was that first room, the holy place. Behind the second curtain uh, was a room called the most holy place which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. Uh, interesting name, isn't it? The Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained a gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. And also interesting, right? The stone tablets of the Covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing, overshadowing the atonement cover, uh, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. Uh, remember, so, so you've got the, that outer court, and then there's that first room, that outer room. The priest entered, entered regularly in, in there to carry on uh, daily uh, ministry, but, but then there's that other room. But only the high priest entered the inner room. Only the high priest entered the inner room. So the other priest could enter the outer, but only the high priest enters the inner room. And that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Uh, interesting, when you, when you read the book of Hebrews, there's, a, there's a, 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 a sin that is committed in ignorance, and then there's a sin that is committed willingly, and they're, they're separated out and identified uh, separately. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. So they have, they've got a time and a place and a season. They were needed for that time and place and season, but they, they were only there until the time of the new order or the time of the new covenant where God would shift and change things and, and begin the shift and changing process. I say begin it because, because he's not done yet. Uh, verse 11. Where did I, did I stop at 10? I stopped at 10. So, um, for, for time's sake, let's go to, uh, to Hebrews. We'll skip over to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 Verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. You see, if it, if it had been enough, it would have been enough and nothing else would have been needed and would, it, would have, it would have cleansed us from a guilty conscience, but it didn't. Uh, so, so something had to shift and change. Something else had to be done. The new covenant. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With 
burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then he said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. They, they had to be offered. Uh, then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy. I don't want to read over it too fast. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all. I don't know, I don't know if we've caught all, all of these, but, but there has been the word perfect in here, being made perfect. Here is the word holy uh, through the sacrifice of the body of Christ, cleansed, a cleansed, clear conscience, being made perfect, now being made holy. All of those things the old covenant could not accomplish. All of those things through the blood of Christ are now working and at work in our lives. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, uh, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, or, uh, or he had offered uh, forever one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He, he made one sacrifice for sin, sat down at the right hand of God. You remember one of the things that he cried out on the cross? It is finished. Now, because it was. And he sits down at the right hand of God because he has done what needs to be done. And since that time, he awaits, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Uh, for, for, for we're in the time of this new covenant, the time of God's patience, but not everything has, has been yet fulfilled that will be fulfilled. There's been this powerful shift and change uh, in, in our access to God and in our lives, but we are still not, what, what does a, a 1 John 3 say? We're, we're not yet what we're going to be. We don't know yet what we're going to be, but, but we know that someday we're going to be made like Him. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, right? So we still see sin at work in the world, but we recognize that where sin increases, grace increases all the more. But there is going to come a day when Jesus is going to put an end to it, and it will be forever ended. And there will just be the goodness of God. For, verse 14, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. There's perfect and holy in the same verse and the word forever. For by one sacrifice, one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. What Jesus has done has changed and transformed our lives. Making us perfect, calling us holy, clearing forever our conscience. And it is a forever work. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, for He says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Here's, here's what the Lord says about these new covenant people that He'll put His laws in our hearts and He'll write them on our minds, that He's going to do it. Then He adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Now, Jesus, now, now Hebrews says this, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. What a powerful statement. We now, because of the blood of Jesus, in this new covenant, we have confidence to enter, not the outer court, not the holy place. We have confidence to enter the most holy place where, where only the high priest could go and only once a year could he go. And if he didn't go then and it was someone other than the high priest, then there was but one penalty and that was death. Now we have confidence to approach the king in the inner court without fear of death. We have a, because of the new covenant, we have a confidence that even Queen Esther didn't have. Queen Esther approached, but it was in fear and trembling. We have, we have confidence now to enter into the inner court of the king of kings without fear or trembling because of the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the new high priest, not in the order of Levi, but in Melchizedek, and, and on the basis not of, not of birth uh, or, uh, or, of, or, of, or of oath, but on the basis of, of an indestructible life who entered the heavenly tabernacle, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood shed from his body has cleared our consciences so that we are made perfect, we are called holy, our consciences are clear, and we can come to God not in fear and trembling, but with confidence and joy, knowing that we've been given access. Somebody says, I need you to approach the Lord for me, the King for me. We don't shout back and say, no, 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 you don't do that. There's only one penalty. You've got to be invited. If you're not invited, there's death. That's, that's not, that's the old covenant. New covenant is, I can go in there because I've been washed in the blood of Jesus because I'm cloaked in His garments, His righteousness, because I'm in, entered into this new covenant, I now, through the blood of Christ, with confidence, can go to the King. Yes. Esther should have had that, because she was in covenant. But the law was broken and weak and flawed. But this one is not. This new covenant. God has... God has put an end to the, to the regulation that, you've, that you can only come and only certain people can come. In a sense, only certain people can come. Only new covenant people can come. But everyone can become new covenant people. Only those who are in Christ can come. But everyone can come to Christ if they will. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, so verse 20 says this. Uh, let me read 19 again. Just back up and then we'll read 19 and 20 together. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body. There's a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body. You, you remember there's the, there's the from, the, from the holy place to the most holy place, there is a curtain that divides, divides the two, right? And, and, and when Jesus died on the cross, what happened to that curtain? It was rent in two from top to bottom. Mark 15 tells us that, that from top to bottom, that curtain was rent in two. And, and because of the death and blood of Jesus, that curtain that separated, that curtain that, that divided, that was removed. And now, because of Jesus, there is access into the Holy of Holies. And now Hebrews points out to us that it's a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body. That when His body was broken and rent, that it also tore that curtain. 
and ripped it in two and divided it so that we can now draw near to God. Right? It's a new covenant of peace. But it's peace with access. The old covenant was a covenant of peace, but, but peace with separation. Right? You recognize there can be, like we are, uh, we are at, uh, at peace with Russia, so to speak. But there's not a lot of access. It, it's, it's like peace with an enemy almost. Right? So, so there's that level of peace. And then there's, and then there's, there's peace with a friend, but there's not much relationship or access there. Right? But then there's, but then there's peace with your covenant husband or wife where there is relationship and access and intimacy. That, that is the kind of new covenant relationship that God wanted with us that we couldn't have under the old covenant that we now have in the new covenant so that the veil was rent, the curtain torn that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus Christ, right, priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, entered into the heavenly tabernacle, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood. We have this great priest over the house of God. Since we've got, since we've got this new living open way that is his body, we've got his blood shed, we've got this great high priest over the house of God. Since all of this is, is true, what now do we do? Verse 21, 22. Let us draw near to God. Now, now since all of that has happened, and since, since our hearts, uh, let us draw near to God with, with a sincere heart and with full assurance of, fra- of faith, uh, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Since, since, since all of this that we have talked about is true, under this new covenant, we are not only at peace with God, but we have access to God. We can draw near to Him. And we now have an open way through the body of Christ and we have an invitation from God uh, to come to Him. He's waving us in and saying, come on, draw near to me, come to me. It's an invitation to know Him for who He is to know Him in a way that under the old covenant you could never know Him. There was a few. There was a few. Moses, you know, Joshua had had intimate relation. David had had relation with had an intimate relation with God, but it was but it was even different than Moses. You know, Moses being a Levite, maybe he maybe because he was in the priestly line, was able to have that kind of deep access relationship to God. And and and, and David had it, but he but he also had to have prophets and priests to, to come and help with that relationship with the Lord. But there is now in the new covenant for for each and every one of us who have come to Jesus access to God to know the Father, and He calls to us and says to us, draw near to me because of the blood of Jesus. You say, but, you say, but what about all that I've done? That's, that's not the condition. It, it's the blood of Christ. It's His broken body. It's Him as high priest. It's, it's not the works that you've done. It's, it's not because you've you, you eat everything right and, and avoid this and do this ceremony and go here on this day and do this on that day and don't do this on this day and you dress exactly the way that you were supposed to dress. It's, it's not food and drink and ceremonies and ceremonial washings. None of that worked. And everybody who did it realized it. That's why in Galatians 2, Paul says, Peter and I, we know it. 
We know that, we know that none of this stuff works. That it's only the blood of Jesus, but the blood of Jesus has accomplished what those things could not and has rent the veil and opened up for us. We do not get this or understand it. I don't. Even the Holy of Holies. So that we can draw near to God based on Jesus, not on me. And many people are holding back because they're basing it on what they've done and who they are and what their truth is. And it's none of that. It's Jesus, His body, His blood, Him as priest, the heavenly tabernacle, His blood sprinkled. Read the book of Hebrews. Slow read it. You'll begin to see it. It's what Jesus has done. And because of what He has done, I can draw, if I have come to Christ, can draw near to God, can enter in to not, I'm I'm no longer just held to the outer court. I can come to the inner. The veil's not even there. All the way into the Holy of Holies. All the way into God's presence. Because because now there's not only peace, but there's also access. And so, so now I would say that now we also have, because, because we have a new access to God, we also have a new access to truth that sets us free. That the old covenant could not provide because there was such separ- there was peace with God, but there was separation, so we didn't know God. But now that we can come into His presence and know Him, knowing Him means knowing truth, means knowing His truth, and knowing His truth means freedom. If we could back up to, to Hebrews chapter 8, I'm almost done. I'm going so quick this morning. Preaching, preaching short. For uh, this is this is where it's going to quote uh, Jeremiah thirty-one in the book of Hebrews. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, uh, no place would have been sought for another. Right? We've established that first covenant doesn't work. It was it was needed for a time. Right? And and I'm not I. I love the Old Testament and spend a ton of time in the Old Testament and we need the Old Testament. And we need to understand it, but we are new covenant people. I'm not trying to make it to heaven based on what I eat and drink and wear and ceremonies that I celebrate and all the righteous things that I do. That That doesn't get me into my heavenly home. Right? It's it's John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. It's it's not Jesus and and the law. It's Jesus. It's Christ and Christ alone. I'm a new covenant believer. Because the first one held me separated. This one lets me in. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. And, and these, this is the day that we live in, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. With the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, uh, what tribe is Jesus from? Judah. Uh, so in Christ we are included. I will not be, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. It's going to be different. When I took them by the hand and led them out of, out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Here it is again. I will put my laws in their minds, I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer 
Will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. They, they will know me, least of them, great, greatest of them. All of them will be forgiven, sins remembered no more. The blood of Christ is sufficient for the least, sufficient for the greatest. Uh, pays the price so that God will forgive and remember those sins no more. Brings us into relationship with Him so that we all have access. And because we all have access, we all can know the Lord. You say, we can know Him because we can draw near to Him. And it's, and it's this knowing Him that makes that other take place. It's because we, we begin to know Him. Because we have relationship with Him that we begin to know His thoughts and His ways. Remember what Isaiah 55 says? That His ways and thoughts are, are higher than ours. As, as the heavens are above the earth, so higher His thoughts, His ways than ours. But, but because of the new covenant, because we can come to know the Lord, we can come to know His ways, know His thoughts, His law, written on our hearts, known in our minds, we will, as we know the Lord, we will know His truth. And His truth is truth. And truth that is His truth, that actually is truth, brings freedom to our lives that we cannot find anywhere else. So, so, so what Jesus says in John 8 starts to make sense, right? We will know the truth, know the truth, and the truth will set us free. As we know God, then we begin to know. We begin to see. We begin to understand. We begin to know the truth, and as we know the truth, then the truth comes and brings to our lives freedom. We know God. We see the Lord. We start to understand as we spend time with Him, revelation comes, understanding comes, knowledge comes, truth comes, because because we are all knowing God and therefore knowing His ways. And then, and then, uh, and then you can start to add other scriptures in there, uh, like, like John 6, I mean like Matthew 6, uh, 33, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these earthly things that we need and so often worry about, He's going to care for those. He's going to handle those things. So, so instead of worrying about them, draw near to God. Enter into His presence. Seek His face. Know the Lord. And as we know the Lord and we begin to know truth, then, uh, then we see things differently. And while everyone else is wailing and weeping and mourning and sorrowful and afraid, we see the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and are glad in it. We are filled with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound because we can come in to His presence and see Him and meet with Him and speak with Him and hear from Him and know Him. And when we know Him, then we know. So this new covenant is not only a covenant of peace, it's peace with access. It's peace with access. And it's not, and it's not, a, it's not a, a, a access uh, that, is, that is limited. It's the veil is rent. The, the, the Holy of Holies is open 
draw near to God. And when we draw near to Him, then we know Him. You remember what a... Is it Tozer that said the most important thing about us is what we think about God? Is when we think about God, what are we thinking about God? Do we know the Lord for who He truly is? And as we know Him, truth comes to us and runs the, the, the deceptions and the lies out of our lives and freedom that comes, that's beautiful, that is growing, comes into our lives. It's, it's covenant that brings relationship. It's relationship that brings knowledge. Who do I, who do I know the best, uh, the deepest on this, on this earth is, is my wife whom I'm in, in covenant with. And who knows me the best? Who knows who I truly am? It's, it's my wife who I'm in covenant with. We've entered into covenant. There's peace. There's access. That leads to knowing one another. I know her. I know her better. Uh, she knows me better than anyone else on this planet. This is what the new covenant has given us with God, it's access, it's intimacy, it's relationship with Him. And that leads to knowing. It's time with Him that leads to knowing. Changes the way we pray. Changes the way we read Scripture. It's, it's not a works thing. It changes the way we worship. It's not a works thing. It's, a, it's, it's not I'm trying to earn anything. Jesus has done that. He's done that. Right? I'm not... I'm not I don't read this to check the box so that God's happy with me. He's already happy with me because I'm clothed in the righteous garments of my Savior. It's, it's not I'm, I'm worshiping and raising my hands so that God is, God's pleased, right? It's, it's, it's not I'm praying to check a box, do a regulation, make sure God's, God's okay. It's, it's not that. All of those things are I'm drawing near to God to know Him. And it's, it's in knowing Him then. Knowing Him's everything. It's when, it's when I know Him. Then I know. And when I know, then, then there comes freedom. And, and you say, man, I, I wish I could have that. Well, there's this day that we're living in where you can. Where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord who comes to Jesus, puts their faith and trust in Him, receives salvation, forgiveness, peace, and access, and can come to know God, come through the veil, it's gone, it's rent, into the Holy of Holies. Let's pray together.